It is Thursday, November 16th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by the St. John's River Water Management District. And now, Oyster Stuffing's Worst Nightmare, J.P. Shackley. You know it. It is going to be a big week, and welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour. And a big two hours ahead here on Jaguars Happy Hour and the Doug Peterson Show. Week 11 coming up. The Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars at Everbank Stadium this Sunday. The Jags moving past the blowout loss to the 49ers this past Sunday. Back-to-back division games coming up and then three straight in the AFC North. So we'll have a pretty good idea in early December where this team stands. The Doug Peterson Show at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars Radio Network. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach, in studio and Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District, Florida's Water. It's worth saving. On 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube, J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, J.P. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. <laughs> well, so funny today. I just the, the energy, I liked it. Well, I mean, I you like know, it. it's, it's time saving, to- saving the water, and I like the energy that you announced my name with it's it's good well whatever i can do to help the that's the first time you put that same amount of energy that you do with the sponsor into my name i liked it we got two hours of this get ready (laughs) it's only just begun good um are you past the blowout loss to the 49ers no no you're not no is this team no look uh when you when you lose by 31 and uh what a great opportunity to show kind of on a national stage what your team is about, and it's at home where you haven't played particularly well. That stings, and I think that a game like that, I think if you're a player, and, and I'm not a player anymore, but, I mean, that lingers, and it's not going to go away until you have something positive to replace that feeling with, and hopefully that positive feeling is is a big win against Tennessee, a division opponent against home, who has been your division rival for many years. Jaguars, at least during the Doug Peterson era, have fared well the game after blowout losses. So in games following a 10-plus point loss, since Doug Peterson's been the head coach here, the Jags are 3-0 and in the next game, and they've averaged 29 points per game. So their bounce-back ability is there. A lot of that has to do with quarterback play in those bounce-back games. A lot, a lot. And uh, the, the game that really stands out in my mind, if you go back to last year, the game at Detroit, and you got, and you got your rear end kicked, okay? Then the next week, you go to Nashville to face these same Titans. And I thought Trevor Lawrence in that game – arguably had his best game of the year besides the comeback in the playoff in the second half which was just you know otherworldly but that game against Tennessee he was on the money his decision making was fantastic he was competitive he had his eyes down the field the entire time at the end of the game there was that little kind of a scuffle I think at the end of that ball game and Trevor's pointing up at the scoreboard to, to the Titan defenders that's the kind of Trevor Lawrence that I want to see this week, and that's the kind of Trevor Lawrence that I, I want to see the remainder of this year. He's got to raise his level of play because what we saw against the 49ers, that's not good Trevor. Okay, You want to see good Trevor. 
That wasn't good, Trevor, against the 49ers. And he said it. It's one of the worst games in his career last week, and I don't think many would, would argue with that. He was the first to say it. Uh, referencing that game in, in Tennessee last year, it was 368 yards through the air, three touchdowns, 30 of 42 passing, and Evan Ingram was the major target that day. Yeah, and I don't think this, the stats really – I mean, because there's a – there's a feel from watching that game, and I remember it happening live, and just the decision-making was impeccable, and it was quick, and it was the right decision, and he ran a little bit. I mean, there was a lot of things in that ball game that you really liked about his performance specifically, and that's the kind of performance that he needs to find again. You know, look, right now this offense is not playing well, plain and simple. This offense is not playing well. This past game, Trevor didn't play well, but it wasn't all Trevor. The offensive line didn't play well. They didn't have a running game to lean on to take a little bit of pressure off. And they were behind. They had to abandon it in the second half. The defense did not give the offense extra opportunities like they had been doing. Special teams was not very good either. Okay. Uh, I know Doug Peterson talked this week or after the game said that special teams was okay, and I, I disagree with that. You know, you had uh, the first punt of the game was a low liner by Logan Cook, which was like a 41-yard punt. And then to get an eight-yard return, that's a 33-yard net. That's not good enough. You know, that's not what you want your punter to do, a Pro Bowl-level punter. And then uh, you get the injury to Agnew. Christian Kirk is out there, and all of a sudden the ball lands and rolls down to the one. That's got to be fielded by Christian in that situation. I think the ball bounced around the – I think in the teens, right, the lower teens somewhere on the field position – if you, if you make that catch, then all of a sudden you don't get backed up at the one. Now, they ended up coming out and getting a field goal drive, the only scoring drive of the game, but still got to be better than that. So, uh, moving ahead, and, you know, we'll hear from Doug Peterson coming up, uh, as we said, on the Doug Peterson Show, 5 o'clock. We'll ask him this, but how do you approach it with the team? I mean, I'm, I'm sure he, in that first meeting on Monday, pretty much uh, told it like it was, is my guess, knowing Doug Peterson. Well, there's another way to tell it. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, you, you got to – the facts are the facts. And there's you – know, some may think, okay, we'll just, you know, burn the tape and forget about it and move forward. No. No, there's – you've got to learn from the mistakes. And part of the mistakes, the big mistakes, that the Jaguars have been making offensively has been the giveaways. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it's not easy to fix that, okay, because, you know, you – as a defense, you preach and preach and preach and preach. Takeaways, ball awareness, where is it at? Punch it out, okay? Pressure the quarterback. Get him to make an errant throw. Come in with the strike. First guy in wrap, second guy in punch. I mean, there's all those emphasis that you can have on defense. And offensively, you probably do drills in practice. In fact, we watch practice today, and they do a drill there where they all of the people that are skill position players go through – the the uh, I guess you could say kind of like the gauntlet they've got to go through bags and they got people Just poking like at American them. gladiators the yeah, yeah it's yeah, all right. kinds of things <laughs> where they're trying to knock the ball out because that's been one of the biggest problems they have eleven fumbles lost this year and then Trevor I think is responsible for about ten of the however many well he's got six the interceptions picks, obviously and six what, picks, four fumbles and then four fumbles so he's got ten of the seventeen giveaways on offense he's got to be better too. You know, so that's a that's definitely got to be an emphasis, I think, for Doug Peterson and his offensive staff. That's one side of the ball. Jags fans want customized Jaguars furniture for your home. Check out ZipChair.com and browse all customizable options. ZipChair furniture for fans. 
This is Jaguars Happy Hour on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman. Jaguars defense last week, uh, Christian McCaffrey was all over the place for San Francisco. Different style this week. And we'll dig deeper into what the, the Titans have to offer but uh, in just a little bit. But defensively, um, how are you feeling about them moving forward from last week? They didn't take the ball away last Look, week. They weren't That's very the good thing. either. You well, know? Yeah, I know that. I mean, the offense wasn't good. The defense gave a season high, I think, 437 yards. They didn't get a takeaway. Uh, the entire offensive system with the 49ers, you knew exactly what it was based upon. It was based upon a lot of shifts in, in movement, and then they run the ball, and then everything is set up off of establishing the run. So you wanted the Jaguars to establish their bully ball style of defense, stop the run, and Christian McCaffrey and his mates ended up averaging five and a half yards a carry. That's not good enough. That's not bully ball. That's not the way the Jaguars – play successful defense and so that was disappointing and then you had a couple instances where the ball is in the air and you can make a play on it one of them where Bur Purdy the first drive throws it back across the field and you've got two guys that are in the neighborhood and they don't make a play I give a lot of credit on that one to um, Ayuk because he gave a just a little subtle nudge to Tyson Campbell who, by the way, did not play that well. Mm -hmm. uh, the, obviously, the hamstring was still a problem because he ended up leaving the game later in the game. But on that play, Ayuk gives him just a little nudge down low where the officials don't typically call the push, which was very smart by Ayuk. Just like George Kittle on the long pass where he got Devin Lloyd. A little subtle kind of push that is enough that it gave him an edge but not enough to draw the yellow flag. You know, and give credit to the 49ers. They came out ready to play. I think the Jaguars came out. Uh, maybe they were ready to play, but their performance was flat coming out. And that's the only thing that mattered. Because a lot of people say, well, they weren't ready to play. I don't know. Maybe they were ready to play. And maybe the performance just didn't give them any kind of positive energy in the ballgame. And then it just kind of snowballed in a negative way. You know, but the bottom line is, is that the performance wasn't where it needed to be early in that ball game, and then the 49ers controlled the tempo throughout. It was a blowout. Yeah, seven offensive plays total combined between the teams. It's seven nothing 49ers. A three and out for the Jags, and then a four play touchdown drive, and the same thing again. Three and out, and then a field goal drive, and it's ten nothing at the bat of an eye, and it's an uphill climb all day long. Well, and, it, and the defense gave up quite a bit of explosive plays. Brock Purdy was in rhythm. You know, that one that won the Kittle, though, I mean, Trayvon Walker's right there in his face. He had a hand on him, and he, he still completes it very last second. Well, and, and mean, it's, it's, so it's, close. it's man coverage, cover one, and then you have a safety, and I believe it was Cisco that bites up on, on a route. So, look, if, if the completion happens to Kittle – on typically on man covered single high safety, that there's a safety that stays back deep, and the reason he stays back deep is to try to prevent a house call play. Okay, so if you got Cisco back there, maybe he can come over, make a tackle, and then line up, and play some more downs, maybe hold him to a field goal. And there was no help, and Devin Lloyd ends up stumbling, and George Kittle, amazing player. Oh, yeah. Really good football player. I, I think one of the best two tight ends in the National Football League, George Kittle and Kelsey, the best. Okay, so when you're dealing with the best, you got to be at your best. And, and Devin Lloyd, he, 
He got Devin on that one. Certainly did. Good players. I mean, good players yeah, make plays, you know. Yeah, it's, it's a, a good, really team. good team. Good team, you know, and their offense, their entire offensive success and team success is based off of them establishing Christian McCaffrey, and they were able to do that, and the Jaguars were off balance in its entirety. The first drive, McCaffrey, they ended up coming out play action and then had a couple handoffs to McCaffrey, and then all of a sudden they hit that uh, play to George Kittle, okay, that was down the Jaguars' sideline where he was all alone. Jaguar shifted on a motion, kind of got caught out flanked, and Kittle's out there waving his arms, going, throw it to me, I'm wide open. And Purdy just lost it over there, and he's uncontested with the catch, and then down the sideline for 10 yards before there's even a Jaguar defender in the area. The Jaguars-Titans matchup this week is delivered by CSX, How Tomorrow Moves, and when we come back, we will figure out a tackling plan for Derrick Henry. I say we, you, Lyman, will figure out a tackling plan. Yeah, that's not an easy plan to figure. They've had plenty of chances to try over the years, even last year. He And he still is the king. Seems like it. He is still the king. We'll get into it when we return on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Welcome back. It is Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday, week 11 coming up. Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick and the Jaguars' first ever free agent signing, Jeff Lagerman. Is that right? That's true, right? No, no, no. They had... Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to build up your intro. No, I appreciate, oh. uh, appreciate the attempt, okay. but yeah. th- they actually had the original 10 which signed uh, essentially at the very beginning of that calendar year 95. And there were 10 guys that essentially were, were, didn't have a job in the regular season of 1994. Oh, okay. Got it. And so they were called the original 10. Got it. Um, but you were the first of – I was one of the first free agents that, that, that signed. The big wave. Yeah. But, yeah, but the original 10. I, Greg Huntington was a guy that's okay. still here in town yeah, that was sure. part of the original 10 that stuck on the roster. You know, we called him the Mangler. He was a part of that, you know. Saw a bunch of those guys this past weekend. Um, there was weekend. Uh, uh, Jason – I'm trying to remember Jason's last name uh, – defensive end that ended up making the roster. So a couple of those guys ended up – Making the the active roster that were a member or the or a part of that original ten. I'm going to keep trying throughout the next two hours to build up an intro for you each and every second. That's, that's coming great. Back. Great, I we'll appreciate. See if that. I run across one that you like, man. okay, or that's accurate. That All would right, be helpful. good, good, good. Accurate's somewhat helpful. Not necessary, but no, somewhat that's okay. Helpful. You look, I'll you can sugarcoat <laughs> a few things. I'm okay with that. <laughs> okay, embellish a little bit. Okay. Uh, we're on 1010XL 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, and Jaguars YouTube on Jaguars Happy Hour. And the Jags get the Tennessee Titans. Of course, the Jags swept the Titans last year up in Nashville and then here on Week 18 to wrap up the AFC South title. Uh, Derrick Henry is still on the football team, of course, and still putting up numbers. Maybe not the astronomical big-time rushing leading the league numbers, but he's right there near the top, in fact. He's not far off. He's second in rushing yards. He's fourth in attempts, and uh, you know what he's going to be. You know what this game is going to be when Derrick Henry lines up with his hands on his knees behind the quarterback. It's um, a physical 
style, and you better hit him early and often. Yeah, it's it's a little different this year with the Tennessee Titans because in years past it's been so reliant on him, Derrick Henry, and this year it's a little bit different. You know, the offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. It almost seems like they have a little bit of an identity crisis, okay, where they're not sure do we fully commit to being a run-first offense or do we run that college, you know, read option kind of stuff that we can do. And so Derrick Henry's carries are a little bit down off of the norm, okay. He actually has less carries than ETN uh, by 12, which is surprising because, you know, look, Derrick Henry's been a workhorse forever. But he's still effective, and he comes out of the ball game. They have a draft pick that was drafted out of Tulane, a third-round pick, uh, Tajay Spears, who plays a lot, and he also has taken some of those carries away from Derrick Henry. He has 44. And, uh, but Derrick Henry, if with a rookie quarterback, could you ever have a better running back situation than having Derrick Henry in the backfield? Yeah, solid. I mean, it's just, you know, he's going to yeah. take a lot of pressure off. If the games stay close and if they can get Derrick Henry rolling, I'm sure that they will stick with that plan. And with Will Levis, who is their second-round pick, first pick of the second round this past spring, the rookie quarterback out of Kentucky, who many people thought was going to be a first-round pick, he will be getting his fourth start. I guess they've committed to him. Uh, I can't imagine that Ryan Tannehill is very happy right now um, rumor is that he might have requested a trade. I don't know if that's no, true or not. Too late now. I mean, guess what? So, I mean, you drafted a guy that high for a reason. It's not like they're going to – Yeah. He's gonna at eventually. some point he's going to get out there. Well, Tannehill Especially had, if you're not playing well. Tannehill had an ankle injury, and that took him out of the lineup. That gave the, the Titans the opportunity to get the rookie in there, and he ended up starting – I think his first game was against the Atlanta Falcons. and that's then right. Four so touchdowns. Yeah, and he had a great game. And he found DeAndre Hopkins, and he, he was really good that game. And the last two games haven't gone so well for him. So this is, a, I think, a great opportunity for the Jaguars to, to get right because the Tennessee Titans last year had by far the worst offensive line in football, which is amazing that Derrick Henry still had the year that he did last year with behind that offensive line. This year they've addressed the offensive line a little bit. It's not as bad, but it's still not great. Who on the defensive side for the Jaguars needs to step out and have a big game, a big stand-up performance? I know everybody does as a whole, but give me one guy you think should or could stand out. Okay, when you think of bully ball, the style of defense that the Jaguars play, what's one of the first big guy that you think about on the Jaguars' front? Oh, I'm thinking the big, nasty, ugly guys in the middle, right, right. on the defensive line. Right, Big Roy Robertson Harris. Mm. Okay, what's he got on his chest? A C. A, a C, okay, yeah. captain. So when you're a captain, okay, and, and you've fell on or have fallen off one week of your bully ball game, you need to get back to that bully ball and establish that again. And the captain needs to be at the forefront of that. I think Big Roy's got to have a, a dominant game. Uh, you got a first-round pick in Skaronsky out of Northwestern who's the starting left guard of the Tennessee Titans who they thought or they believe he can be their Quentin Nelson. Okay, he's not playing like Quentin Nelson did when he was a rookie. The other guard on the other side is kind of to be determined because they're probably going to end up moving the uh, starting or the tar the starting guard from last week, which was Dylan Radens. They're going to move him to left tackle. 
Could they get Daniel Brunskill, who they signed in free agency from the 49ers, back in the starting lineup because he was inactive with an injury? If they do, then Big Roy and his merry men need to whoop him. <laughs> in the center, okay, I love him because he's like a little bulldog. And when I mean little, I mean little. Okay, this is a undrafted guy who last the last couple of years for the Titans played intermittently and was mostly at guard. They taught him how to snap. Now he's at center, probably the best position just because of his size. His name is Aaron Brewer. Aaron Brewer from Texas State, 6'1", 295. Oh, wow. Fire plug. Total fire plug. <laughs> wow. And I think 295 might be a little bit inflated. Probably. Yes. Hmm. Have you ever seen many 6'1", 295s walking around? Yeah, not, not often. Okay, they're pretty thick, right, That's if right. they were 6'1", and 295. He's not that thick. I don't think he's 295. I think he might be 275. For real. I mean, I think that's what you – you remember back when you were playing Little League football or, or high school and you get ready to play – at least this is my day. Get ready to play an opponent and you go and you want to look at the heights and the weights of all the kids that you're getting ready to face. And, of course, you would embellish it. <laughs> no, every every on, Little not. League in high school embellished height yeah. and weight unless you had some kind of weight restriction – Based on positions. Well, the colleges do it, too, by the of way. Of course. You don't get the real one until they show up to the Senior Bowl. I, if if the Aaron combine. Brewer weighs 295, I'll buy, him a, I'll buy him a steak dinner. And he might get there if you keep buying him steak dinners. It's 1010XL 92.5 FM. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick and Jeff Lagerman. Hey, um, the other side of the ball. Jaguars offense. There's been a lot of talk this week about the horizontal nature of the Jaguars attack mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Doug Peterson even talked about it. Yeah. Maybe we should, we need to push it down the field a little more at times, make those throws, do some things. Are there opportunities against this Titans defense to do that? Yes. Uh, but you got to block folks up front first. Okay. The, the Titans back end is not as good as it used to be in my opinion. Um, got weakened this year because you traded away a two-time All-Pro guy in yeah. Kevin Byard, who really good football player. They tried to get him to take a pay cut going into the year, and he, of course, said no. And so they keep him on the roster. They traded him to the Philadelphia Eagles, ended up picking up the safety Terrell Edmonds, who was a Hokie, by the way, Virginia Tech guy. Speaking of upgrades, of all upgrades, from the Titans to the Eagles for oh, he's, Byers. I mean, good for him. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> wow. Kevin Byers is a good football player. Yeah. And he's been a really good football player for the Tennessee Titans for a long time. He's got a he wreaked havoc on Blake Bortles a few times. A ton that. of interceptions yeah. in his career. So they ship him off and get – uh, Terrell Edmonds, and then get a couple late-round picks for him next spring, which, uh, okay, I get it. You're trying to rebuild a roster that has a lot of holes. Okay, so Rand Carthon, who is the new general manager of the Tennessee Titans, probably could have gotten a little bit more, I think, but uh, but nonetheless, he worked that deal. So uh, they're, they're not as good in the back end. The linebackers are not as good as last year. The guys up front, I think, are just as good, if not better. And that's a pretty good front. Jeffrey Simmons be, being the best guy. He's leading the way. Uh, I'm a big fan of Danico Autry. He's still getting numbers. Autry. He's a he's been a, he's he's had a great career. I mean, you're talking about a 10 year guy. Um, looking at his numbers, 53 and a half career sacks. I mean, that's a that's a great pro career. Still in year 10. I mean, so it's, he's got more than he can add to that. Uh, Tier Tart. 
the big nose tackle slash defensive lineman, a good player. Um, Pico is a, a good football player. Kyle Pico. Who did he play for before? I'm trying to remember. He, he got the big hair going out the back of the helmet. Um, good player. I mean, big, strong player. So they're good up front. Harold Landry, who has been a very good edge rusher. You also have the guy who reestablished the culture in Jacksonville, Arden Key. I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course, because he would tell you that he was the one who was responsible for establishing the Jaguars culture. Mm. But, I mean, they're, they're good up front. And, and here's the thing, JP. Jaguars' offensive line did not play well last week. No, they did not. And did not play well against a really good front. It happens from sometimes. Okay, this Titans team, there's not a Nick Bosa. There's not a Chase Young. Okay. Eric Armstead. They got an Eric Armstead yeah. because Jeffrey Sims could be that. Yeah. Okay. They uh who's the other defensive tackle that, that wore out uh Walker Little? Yeah. Drawing a blank. I got it right here. Because uh Javon Hargrave. Oh, yeah, Hargrave. Javon Hargrave, good football player. I mean, big, strong dude. So, the Jaguars struggled with those five guys. Uh, Ken Law, I put in there in the mix as well because they went five down on the first play and it looked like the Jaguars were like, oh, my God, there's five down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. This wasn't on tape. Yeah, it didn't look good. That's what uh, I think Trevor talked to in the game. You know, they came out with some unscripted looks. That was the five down. Like right out of the gate. Like that right was out of the gate. First Send down. a message. Boy, here we come. <laughs> we're we're going to line up five down, and uh, you can block us. Good luck because we're coming. We're going to play a little bit depleted coverage. So the quarterback's got to have patience. He's got to keep his eyes down the field. Offensive line has to be good. And none of that happened. Plenty more ahead on this matchup, the Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. Kai Stevens joins us in studio, Jaguars reporter. We'll discuss her off-the-field conversation today and Jaguars all-access television tonight. It's Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Welcome back. Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick with the best deer hunter this side of Fargo, <laughs> Jeff Lagerman. We're doing different intros for Jeff each segment tonight. Kai Stevens is with us now. Hi. Kai. I am. Thank you. you. I feel very well. If you think of one for Jeff, let me know. We can get it okay. later. We'll or brainstorm whatever. in the next break. Yeah, we're working on it. I'm going to oh, go for boy. three right now. Fargo, North Dakota or Fargo, Georgia? That's a big difference, right? Big difference. Big difference. Uh-oh. I'll let you decide. Hi, Kai. Um, Hello. Here are the Jaguars still in first place, six and three. First place in the division, three seed in the AFC. Outside the building, the sky is falling after last week's performance. Inside, it feels like, yeah, they're embarrassed, but they're moving forward here. Yeah, I think the dreary weather has us kind of with a dreary <laughs> attitude for a little while. But definitely in the building, they've turned the page. Of course, it's this is a huge game this week and next week in Houston. So that's definitely got you quickly refocused because if you don't, the things are going to spiral very quickly from here. Plus the Titans. I mean, you always get up for those games. You better, Logs, oh. against Tennessee. Look, uh, the, the, the reality is, is that even though we look at the Titans right now as kind of a team in rebuilding mode and that mm -hmm. this is a winnable game, because I think most people are of the opinion of that, 
because of you know you look at the Titans' record, you look at they have a rookie quarterback, you look at they got a new general manager, they're rebuilding their roster, they traded away Kevin Byard. It's still the Tennessee Titans. Okay, it's still a division opponent, and that makes me nervous because it's the Titans. Okay, and last year, okay, the last game of the year. What did we think about the last regular season game of the year? There's no way that we can lose that game, right? Quarterback just brought in no. So many injuries. Uh, uh. <laughs> that Kai game com- was scary. See, Kai comes in last year, and the Jaguars sweep the Titans first year in. So you're like, oh, this is the way it – I'm kidding, of course. But it's not how it always happens, Robbie. Okay. And, and he's, you know, first – you know, first era of that. I mean, he was involved going, in the, going in the all 90s. Way back days. to Jeff Fisher. That's that why Jacksonville is their second home. Right? Oh, we because, don't like that. Because in 1999, when the Jaguars were 14 and two and the number one seed, the Titans beat them three times. Three times in one year is difficult to do. Not easy. Not impossible, <laughs> apparently, because it happens. The yes. That came the comment. So, division games. Then you get the AFC North three times in a row. And we'll find out the first couple of weeks of December if this team has what it takes or not. I mean, these were the circle on your calendar games coming up, right? So, to get these divisional games kind of behind you and then really, you know, obviously the game against the 49ers was not what you wanted to see from this team. Their Jaguars, we thought, were in that echelon and they are not there yet. But hopefully if you can get some momentum going, figure things out in these divisional games, then, and I don't want to discount the Titans or the uh, Texans because those are not going to be easy games. But you can figure something out. Then when you're going up against the Ravens, the Bengals, um, the Browns to a certain degree, you'll kind of see what you have and what this playoff run might look like. If, if you don't get a win in this game, what will be one of, one of the centerpieces of conversation after this game? Just hypothetically speaking here. After the game? This game? Yeah. Quarterback. Quarterback. He's, yeah. he's got to play CJ. well. Yeah. Right. He, he lost quarterback C- versus quarterback next week. But, yes, you got to. Lost to C.J. Stroud right. earlier yeah. in the year. Mm-hmm. If you lose to Will Levis, another rookie in the division this year, I mean, wouldn't a lot of the conversation go to Trevor's getting beat by rookies in the division? What? C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, what? We can't beat rookie quarterbacks with our generational quarterback? What? Just saying, I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen. It sounds like you're saying no, that might be the conversation that if I'm, that were to be the case. I am very confident in, the, in this football team this week because of what I see on the film with the Tennessee Titans. But I will tell you, again, it's a divisional game, and it's the Tennessee Titans. Enough well, said. That's but, all you need to know. But the quarterback's got to play better. I mean, He's got to play better. That's clear. He, he started that game off. The first play of the ball game, which you, you, you run a naked bootleg, and they're lined up in five down. Five down is five defensive linemen. They've all got their hand on the ground. They're not telling you anything, but we're bringing five, and so we're playing a depleted coverage. Block us. Naked bootleg, Trevor's out of the pocket. You got Calvin Ridley on the boundary. Got to throw it. Doesn't get thrown. Here comes Warner, the linebacker, because Evan Ingram stays in to help block those five guys. Warner just, here he comes, going after Trevor, pressures him because Trevor's late to the throw with Ridley, incomplete. Second down, you get a little completion. Third down, Trevor peaked at the rush. If he stands tall in the pocket on the third down, third play of the ball game, you got Brenton Strange wide open right in front of you, 
for a game that, that you move the chains first down. And that was kind of, I guess you could say, a microcosm of the game for Trevor. He, his feet were happy. The clock was ticking fast in his brain. His eyes didn't always stay down the field. And that, that, that's like the complete opposite of the Trevor Lawrence that I remember in last year at Tennessee, the first Titans game, which he was lights out good. How hard is it to undo that, though? Because it's like it's the trust factor to a certain degree. And he can say he trusts them, but by body language alone, you can tell he doesn't trust the protection he has around him. So how can you get that back? Uh, well, for, for him, he's gotten it back in a week. Okay. You know, you go back to last year, the performance that he had in London against Denver. That interception. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> Jeez, first and goal with the one. Oh, boy. Uh, you come back the next week, okay, and I think that was a home game, and you, you're playing the Raiders. Now, you got a little bit of an assist from Derek Carr in that ball game because he was so bad. If Derek Carr had done anything in the second half, the Jaguars don't win that ball game. But Trevor leads them back from 17 points down. It played really well. Baltimore game played really well. So he was able to turn it around. And then you go to last year, another example, which is probably the closest comparison to this week. Last year, you go on the road to Detroit and you get hammered. Yeah. What was that score? 44 to 10? It, it was uh, 40, 40 to 14. 40 to 14. That's right. Trevor got dinged up in that game, remember? That, That's that right. He ran off and came back in. Came back in. Finished the game. Yeah. Right? But that was a thumping. That, I mean, that was a thumping. And then the next week, you go to Nashville. And Trevor was unbelievable. The decision-making, the competitiveness, how he went through his reads, it was arguably that was the best performance by Trevor to date was that game. And that game I said, we got a franchise guy. That's the game I said that to myself. We got a franchise guy. Because that was a franchise guy performance. And he had quite a few of them that followed after that. This year? I would say a couple – he's had solid games. And the one, guy, the one game where you just go franchise performance was probably the Buffalo game. He was really good in that ball game. And that, by the way, was the only 300-yard passing game that he had this year. The offense has been clunky, though. Um, but he hasn't had – you know, go to last year, you, all those moments that he had late in the year, this is the time where he starts to need to show some of those moments. He's been consistent, solid, but I want to see – we got a franchise guy moment. You know what I mean? Where you go, oh, yeah, we got a guy. This would be the time to pull that out of the hat. That's for sure. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, look no further than Ford F-150, loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. This truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jaguars. We're on 1010XL at 92.5 FM. It's Jaguars happy hour. Kai Stevens in studio with us. Uh, off the field conversation today. You uh, record one late in every week. Who did you have today? We had the newest Jaguar, Ezra Cleveland, with us today. So learn a little bit about him and how he's getting assimilated and every, how everything's going. He seems to be picking things up really quickly. He worked with the um, offensive line coach here, Phil Rauscher, was in Minnesota with him for the first two years of his career. So they have that comfortability and then just kind of picking things up. And he from what he said, he's, he feels very comfortable with what we've got going on. You know, Doug Peterson talked about uh, getting him some time, right, and getting him some reps and getting him, some, you know, 
how does that happen in the middle of a season? And, and what does that even mean coming ahead, right? That's, at some point, I mean, he's been the starting guard in Minnesota. Is he going to see the playing field at the, during games? Like, what's going to – how's that going to happen? I think a lot of that depends on Walker Little. You know, how how is Walker Little playing today, tomorrow, Sunday, the following game? Walker Little didn't have a very good game. And the reality is – you stack another game like that on, you know, and here's the thing. You got a guy this week that could do that to you again and Jeffrey Simmons. Yep. Okay. T.R. Tart, two big, strong dudes. And that's the part, you know, that Walker Little will have something to say and he will make the determination of what the future of Ezra Cleveland holds. Because the reality is, is that if Walker Little plays well, Ezra Cleveland will just become a valuable backup. And then, you know, down the road, we'll see what happens. But if Walker Little falters, I don't think that they hesitate to go to an Ezra Cleveland. Now, maybe not in-game, you know, in-game, let I say this well, week. I'll see how the game is going, if it's just a blow-up or something. I, I, I think that it, yeah. it would take a poor performance by Walker and – throughout the game and then all of a sudden you're 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 not winning and you're like okay we've seen enough okay but that that's extreme i don't envision that happening i think the more time that you get Ezra to get comfortable the better off for him and for the offense but look, here's the thing he's a starting caliber left guard in this league period yeah he was starting for minnesota that's why hey, when when can we see that uh, interview? uh that'll be out saturday morning i think Put it on Jaguars.com and YouTube. Jaguars.com. Jaguars. Free website and the Jaguars YouTube channel. He, he's long, too. You know, he's built He's built like a tackle. And he told us on All Access he, he, he's a left guard. Like, in his mind, that's his position. Which is, which is what you want. And yeah. the reason we asked him that on All Access last week was because he was a left tackle or a tackle at Boise State. JP, you're a big fan of that blue turf. Thing. Yeah. He, he was sure. telling us about how the, they find feathers on yeah, the ducks, field. Yeah, ducks, like land thinking it's water. Water. Yeah. Terrible. And yeah, it's not good for the duck. Yeah, it's a kind of a crash land. Worse for the groundskeeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tonight, Jaguars All Access TV at Strings Sports Brewery. Who you got tonight? Christian Kirk will be back with us. All right. Yes. He's always good with us, so it should be a good one. He's always good with everybody. I like. Yeah, this. no, he's he's very accountable. Yeah. Has good answers and yeah. There's a lot to talk, talk about this week there on is. offense, right? I'm sure he'll. I'm sure, you guys are going to grill him, right? <laughs> well, we're going to ask him about the the giveaways. I mean, that's yeah. you know, that's unfortunately that's part of the job when you have a tough outing. And Christian was a part of that tough outing because he fumbled the ball at the six. You know, you got to be able to to be accountable and talk about it, and and you know, everybody wants to know how do you fix it. And so we'll ask that question. How do you how do you fix it, Christian? And how do you get the offense to feel like it's got some rhythm? How do you get smooth and not clunky? How do you how do you find the rhythm that you had last year? How do you push the ball down the field? All yeah. that stuff yeah. is in play tonight on String at String Sports Brewery. Jaguars all access, seven o'clock, Fox thirty. Be there. I'll be there. Kyle will be there. Are you are you gonna be there? I will not be there. No? I figured you might be in the peanut gallery having a beer. Too cool. Not tonight. Not tonight? Some other night. We got a good game on tonight, too, by the way. Thursday night football. I have Bengals. Oh. Oh, game, yeah. game of the week. Wow. Bengals-Ravens? 
Wow. Big you kidding game. me? Big game. I mean, if JT, Visual belly game. up at the bar at strings and have a beer, watch the game. Kai, we'll Post see Post happy it. hour, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, we might have. Okay, you might have talked. We'll <laughs> see. We've got another hour and 15 to figure it out. Jaguars happy hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. We're on 1010XL, 92.5 FM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube on this Thursday Ahead of the Titans-Jaguars matchup in week 11. The Jags at 6-3, and three, the Titans the other way around. The division getting tight, of course, with Houston playing better football with good quarterback play. And those two, the Jags and the Texans, will tangle next week down at NRG Stadium in Houston. Uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Time now for the injury report presented by Baptist Health and the Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute, the official sports medicine provider of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Same exact report today for the Jaguars as yesterday. That means wide receiver Jamal Agnew with a shoulder slash rib injury now officially did not practice yesterday or today. It sounds like that could be a little bit. Cornerback Tyson Campbell with a hamstring issue has not practiced this week, and that's not trending the right way. No, that's concerning. Anton Harrison, offensive lineman, back issue limited both days. Uh, defensive lineman Roy Robertson-Harris with an ankle issue limited both days this week. Parker Washington's window to practice opened off a knee injury. He's limited Wednesday and Thursday, but that is trending the right direction. And Zay Jones with a knee issue limited Wednesday, Thursday. That also seems to be maybe trending uh, the right direction on the field for Zay to go. We'll see what happens uh, tomorrow. And then, of course, uh, the designations come down at the end of the practice week and then game day, see who's up and up and down. But that's um, that's the injury report for the Jaguars. It's a long list for Tennessee, Logs. Uh, two players have not practiced this week. Traylon Burks, wide receiver with a concussion. Andre Dillard, a tackle with a concussion. They have Neither one of them has practiced this week. Well, well real quick, uh, with those guys, uh, Traylon Burks was not active their past game against Tampa. And that's not trending in the right direction. No. And uh, Dillard, is it Dillard or Dillard? Sure. Whichever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the, the left tackle, he sustained a cushion in this past game, which they had Nicholas Petit for, uh, Ferrer, who was a, also a, a left tackle for them that started a game previously in the year. He went on IR at the beginning of the week. So their options, if Dillard can't play, are somewhat limited. So they would more than likely kick out one of the guards to play tackle. Daniel Brunskill with an ankle issue, limited both days, a guard. Uh, corner Anthony Kendall did not practice today, was limited yesterday with a hamstring. Sean Murphy Bunning, thumb issue, limited both days. Uh, a couple other guys full. Luke Gifford was limited today. Linebacker uh, Ryan Tannehill has practiced both uh, days full with the ankle issues. Um, and that's about it. Everything, everybody else is either full or – has not practiced because of rest. So there are your Tennessee Titans. The Jaguars entertain them this week, and uh, we'll see. That's the uh, injury report presented by Baptist Health. Uh, tailgate with Tony coming up this Sunday, November 19th, ahead of the Titans-Jaguars matchup. Baselli and Jags legends, two different levels of all-inclusive tickets available benefiting the Baselli Foundation at Met Park. Visit BaselliFoundation.com for more and use the code Tony 7-1 for $71 tickets. Hmm.
That's, that's uh, going to be a blast. That's pretty creative. Tony 7-1. Yes, <laughs> absolutely it is. And uh, so check it out. BaselliFoundation.com. Uh, live music, all kind of things going on uh, Sunday before the game. Starts at 10 o'clock. you got plenty of time. It shuts down right around 1230 or so in time to walk into the game and be ready. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Do they got food there? They do. They've got food and everything. All right. Food, music. Nice. Drinks. Nice. They got a shuttle service? You can just walk. It's at <laughs> Met Park, I think. I was thinking about getting a shuttle service to go over there. Are you going to go? I, I'm going to try to go. I don't know if I can get over and back because, you know. I, it's not easy. I'd have to be there right at 10 and then leave at like 1030. And is that even enough? Yeah, and here, here's uh, the one thing. You know, on game day, you kind of have a rhythm. You know, things that you usually do, yeah. you know, in preparation for the This is for, for the, the foundation. This is for the kids. Yeah, I know. And I'm all for it, you know. Yeah. But I'm with you. Like, you you know, hey, you get stuck in, you're stuck in traffic. You never know these yeah. days with the traffic out here. Well, I mean, I don't know about being stuck in traffic, human traffic. <laughs> There's a lot of that, too, yeah. these days. I mean, the game, I think, is sold out. There's standing room tickets being sold. Oh, it's it's going to be a great atmosphere. Big divisional then, game. Come and on. I know that uh, Doug Peterson, that's one of the things we're going to ask him uh, is – you know, the one thing you always want to do as a football team is win at home. And this team is one and three at the bank, and that's that's not where you want to be. You know, typically when you – you know, I, I remember going all the way back to college, high school, when you start to list your goals as a football team, one of the first goals is win your games at home. Okay, and then uh, because you have an advantage, you're in your place, it's your fans, and you got a, a, an advantage from – you know, the crowd noise, everything else. And so you want to win those games at home. And so far, not the results that uh, that this team wants. It's the last home divisional game of the season. How yeah. about that? And it's not even is, Thanksgiving yet. Well, and this is a big one. This is a big one because it's a division game. And if all of a sudden you falter, it makes the Houston game – Oh, I mean, a lot of attention would be put on that, and and it's it's look, it's going to be a big game regardless. But can you imagine if you, if you falter against Tennessee, then you go to Houston, with Houston having an opportunity maybe of taking the division lead. Yeah, because if they win, Jags lose, it would be the same record, but they would have the tiebreaker, so they'd be in first place yes. going into the matchup next and That's week. hard to get. I mean, And then their schedule, hmm. if you look at the, ten, the Houston schedule coming up, Arizona this week at home, Jaguars in Houston next week, and then Broncos in Houston the week after that, three straight home games Yeah, at the Jets and then at the Titans. And the Jets might be completely in the tank by then. You never know, right? And the Browns had quarterback change, but their defense is really good. And then the Titans again, and then at the Colts. So the that's Br- the Browns are going to be a challenge regardless, just because sure. their defense is so good. But the next Miles five, Garrett, have you watched him? Uh, he's ridiculous. Oh my god! Yeah, he's ridiculous. <laughs> he is so good. I mean, I'm talking like freakazoid good. Freakazoid. He's, he's probably going to. Freakazoid. Gonna, he's probably going to break. Most likely going to break the single-season sack record. How many has he got right now? I don't know. Man, I think he's on pace to break it. I mean, obviously, it's a a 17-game season now, which doesn't kind of compare apples to apples. But, I mean, this guy, I'll never forget watching him when he was coming out of college. He was just – you were just amazed at how athletic and strong he is. He's got 11 already. 11 sacks. 11 sacks in how many games? In what? Nine games, right? I mean, have they played nine in Cleveland? I don't know. Hang on. 
Yes, nine games. Okay, eleven and nine. So Pretty he's good. he's going to be right there, getting close to it now, Records having a chance. Twenty-two and a half. Twenty-two, I believe it 22 is. Twenty-two and a half. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, Strahan and T.J. Watt. When you when you watch, when you watch Miles Garrett, he does he does things athletically that are amazing. I mean, sometimes like a lot of times when you when you try to describe a guy, you say, okay, he's really strong and really physical, and then hey, the other guy he might be athletic and nimble. Miles Garrett puts all of that together in one package, hmm. all of it, and he is uh, he is special. Got you a know, few weeks to figure that out because uh, that's on the schedule. When, when is when is that game? That's, we'll see. Which is one of the Four amazing one of the amazing Jaguar games. What Baltimore? No, no. We got. Let's see. Here's here's the order of operations. This week, Tennessee yep. at Houston, home against the Bengals at Cleveland. Bengals, Cleveland, and then Baltimore after that. First of all, C.J. Stroud, Bengals, Cleveland, amazing games. Okay, Baltimore, an amazing game. Some people think. That's the best team in the AFC right now. Uh, I'm not arguing. I don't know about that. I mean, I'm, I'm not, not taking. I'm not playing. Well, right I'm not now? taking that crown off. You said Kansas, right now, Kansas City yet. You see the way they played the other week. Have you seen how many I, rings that Mahomes has got well, on you his said fingers? Right now, you yeah, said right, right now. now, and right now, Baltimore is. They're right playing there. well. That's right. That's right. All right. So, um, Doug Peterson shows next. Jaguars head coach will be in studio with us. All right. right. So, um, what do you want to hear from? The, the top jag going into this one. I I, I want to hear from him how you go about handling the week after a game like what you had this past Sunday. I mean, really, I mean, because he's had success after games like this. Look and and look, he's a, he's an excellent coach, and you want to make sure that you leave that nasty taste in everybody's mouth, but at the same token, you can't. You can't keep, you know, beating uh, a man down, right? right? You like you got eight more games to go. Yeah, you got you got to you kind of got at some point you got to turn the page and say, okay, let's go. Okay, here's what we did bad, and here's how we got to correct it. Now let's go. Let's not just sit here and waller in the muck. Waller with an R. Yes. Waller. Waller. Well, then. You don't want to waller in the mud. No, you certainly do not want to waller in that. Uh, we're back in a moment. The Doug Peterson Show is after this. Thank you for listening to Jaguars Happy Hour.